0: The Bill of Rights, the Constitution, what's it worth? You know they're gonna grind us down up until it really hurts. Okay, welcome, friends, once it again to it, our Sovereign Citizens Nation. for Free Speech podcast. It is Stand and Deliver. We named it that for a reason. We try to tell you from time to time we are into year number two, so you should know it by now. But if you're a new listener and viewer of our podcast, welcome aboard. We'll probably tell you again. I'm the National Communications Director for CFFS, Bob France, and I am with...
1: Patrick Wood, the Director and Founder in 2018. That's when we started, and here we're, we're still here, and here we are. We have just passed our one-year mark on this podcast. This is exciting in that regard, but we've got a lot of stories. We never run out of stories, Bob. That's the thing. Never run out of stories to talk about free speech because we've been under such attacks, such egregious attack now, especially since the beginning of COVID-2020. It's just incredible. It's amazing. Every week, there's something we think, how could it get any worse? And then all of a sudden, boom, something else happens. So we're going to cover this stuff today. This is We've got some amazing stories today. Go ahead, Bob.
0: Yeah, we do, and uh, you know, as I sit here comfortably in front of the lake in Cleveland, Ohio, as you can tell, I'm you can tell I'm outside right now, right? That's uh, that that's exactly where I am in the in the dead of winter in February. <laughs> I just love these virtual backgrounds, Pat. What, what I want to start with before I get into the topic, the first topic is what you just said. We're under constant attack, and we've, we're under attack like never before. We say this every week, and I hope it doesn't Absolutely. sound like a broken record because it's reality. We need to recognize the depth and the level of the issues that we are fighting and there are more people out to take our rights from us than ever before but you know what i love is i'm i'm finding out as we follow the news as we do our work for cffs as we uh you know record this podcast every week i think there are more champions defending free speech than ever before they're they're vocal they're they're motivated. Um, they're, they're, they're loud and they're proud. Uh, they're not sitting by and just letting things go. And I'm not even just talking about the, the, the tremendous membership Mm -hmm. of CFFS. I'm talking about people in general, maybe they're just on, uh, on their social media accounts and they're just, you know, really, really discussing these things in ways that we might even teach them to Mm -hmm. do, even if they haven't actually been a part of citizen ninja training here or anything else, they're active and they are involved. And yes. that's that's at the civilian level, Pat, and it's at the elected official level, which of course is a big big mm-hmm. part of this. We need yes. them to to defend us and so so just real quick before I start on the first topic, I feel good about that fact. I feel mm-hmm. like c f f s mm-hmm. and we're not the only free speech organization in America. there are others for fighting for the who are fighting for the very same things. Mm-hmm. I think we're having a huge impact as we continue to face the attacks. Mm-hmm. man, you know. It's like it's true. It's like true First Amendment defenders have said, game on, bring it. Let's go. We're not going to give up our rights. You want to keep trying to take them. We will meet you in the middle of the ring and we will slug it out. And um, and I feel good about that fact.
1: Yes, I do, too. And I think there's good reasons for why more people are kind of standing up to, to the assault on free speech. And part of it is the narrative has changed radically since two or three years ago with all of the new, you know, the new evidence coming out, more people talking about it, that kind of, you know, gives everybody encouragement to talk about it. But because the narrative has changed and, and all kinds of what, what they originally claimed was, uh, you know, correct information turned out to be propaganda as people recognize it to be propaganda, they're not going to fall for it again. They're not, or at least they're not as likely to fall for it again. So when they see a piece of propaganda coming out of it's like, no man. I've been there, done that. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to fall into that trap again. And I see this actually in practice. And this could be anybody. It could be somebody even who, uh, you know, was pro-vaccine, pro-lockdown, and everything else. Originally, they might have uh, kind of gone along with it. Now, they look, you know, they see the stories that are really debunking all that stuff as being useless and worthless. They say, man, I'm not going to fall for that again. Uh, just to, you know, tell me something else. But I'm not going to go down that road. Yeah, I think I think it's a sweeping America to a large degree. Unfortunately, we really need to, you know, fan the flames of that to get people to to realize it's not just you. It's it's our country right now. It's our whole country is under attack and we need to repel it jointly and really take local actions and stuff to, to, to solidify our gains. That's where they need to be
0: solidified is in the local local communities it's very very true uh, all the way through it starts at the local but of course it then you know Thank rises you. and it expands and what i would say is we took action to elect a body of legislators that we believed would be you know, in favor of defending and protecting the First Amendment and our free speech rights online in particular, because that's where so much of our conversation happens today. Um, And we did. And because we were able to do that. And again, this isn't partisanship. CFFS is nonpartisan. We don't, quote, favor Republicans over Democrats. What we do favor is constitutionalists over non constitutionalists We favor those who support the Bill of Rights over people who don't support the Bill of Rights. This is the whole reason we exist. And be that, as it may, this just happens to be a Republican majority is now taking on at the congressional mm-hmm. level things that we find very important to fight at the local level, mm-hmm. uh, and and that is, like I said, our rights to express ourselves, to be heard, and our rights to have others be heard, or excuse me, express themselves, so we can hear them without somebody saying, "No, you don't get a right to hear that because mm-hmm. they were they were presenting you with misinformation or disinformation," according to our um, uh, moderators. And so I bring that up now because this week they finally launched in the House Judiciary and Oversight Committees hearings um, about the big tech companies. In particular, we'll talk about Twitter right now because Twitter was, I think, the biggest um, offender in this regard of the of the last several years. And, you know, the last administration or the last Congress rather didn't want to have anything to do with it because they didn't support this, uh, you know, the free speech that, that we you and I do and the way we do. So the new um, the new leadership called the former Twitter executives who were fired when Elon Musk bought the company for billions and billions of dollars and, and wanted to hold them to account to find out, number one, exactly why they felt like they could just decide what was real and what was fake, what was legitimate, what was not, and then suppress and censor people's points of view based on their own decisions. Mm-hmm. And two, how much of their opinions on this were impacted or affected by the federal government because Mm -hmm. the federal government seemed according to a whole lot of evidence that we have found in the Twitter files Mm -hmm. since then to have been working in collaboration or collusion with, and Mm -hmm. in fact, maybe even pushing or strong arming the Twitter executives in some way, shape or form to help change the political fortunes of some by participating in, in, in whatever, you know, whatever censorship they chose. Mm -hmm. And, Patrick, what we saw uh, this week, earlier this week, and I'll just focus on one of them, Nancy Mace, a congresswoman from Florida, had one of the top Twitter officials, Vijaya Gaddy, uh, testifying before this committee. And she asked her directly, um, where did you go to medical school? Where did you get your medical training? And she said, I don't have any medical training. She okay. said, you're not a, me- not a doctor? No then what makes you think that you have the medical expertise to censor actual Mm -hmm. accurate doctors, doctors like Jay Bhattacharya, a Stanford medical professor Mm -hmm. who, along with Harvard and uh, and um, I can't remember the uh, uh, Mm -hmm. the uh, London uh, University. Was it? um, I can't remember the university in London, but but it was one of the other uh, prominent Mm -hmm. ones. What makes you think that You know more about the accuracy of what they are posting about COVID-19 than they do. You know more than they do. You're not a doctor. You're admitting it. Yet you yourself decided, and I'll quote her here, you censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places in the world, and you silenced these voices. What makes you think that you have the right to deny people the opportunity Mm -hmm. to hear from experts because you didn't like what they had to say because it was part of a narrative you were trying to advance for other people in government? And Patrick, they were speechless. They had no answer for that because the the reality of the situation is these moderators were not doctors. They didn't Mm -hmm. know more than Jay Bhattacharya or any of the others did. But what they did know is that they're, partners, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. who are, you know, part of the, you know, the Democrat leadership in yeah. Congress and in the mm-hmm. white house wanted that stuff silenced because they were working very hard with big pharma to push these, um, push these yes. uh, jabs, these, these poison darts on. Yes. People. So this is huge right now. We are seeing things start to come out that we have not seen before. We're getting full congressional under oath testimony and admissions from yes. these big tech giants that, no, we don't have the expertise to do that, and now they're being exposed for what they were trying to do.
1: Yes, and it's unfortunate that these stories like this generally are not going to hit the mainstream media uh, so that you know people across the board in America can understand that. Let's be watching C-SPAN or some alternative news, uh, news uh, outlet that's carrying the story. But uh, it probably won't get wide distribution, but these are the kinds of things that are waking people up, honestly just a little snippet of that is enough to say, wait a minute, I've been, I've been shut up for this. I was told by such and such a, I won't say an imbecile, that wouldn't be right. But you know, somebody that's totally ignorant of the situation told me to shut up. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, And these are people by and large that just listen to some of these doctors from Harvard and Stanford and whatever. And they're just repeating what they said and they get canceled. Um, I, I think people a lot of people are just fed up with that, not gonna, they're not going to go on with it
0: anymore. In a free society, and we're supposed to be a free society, hence that whole constitution thing yes. that we just talked about that that drives us as, as an organization, as citizens for free speech. It's about the Constitution, it's about our rights. Yes. In a free society, you know, what a, a moderator or an executive at a place like Twitter or Facebook would do. Would be to say, wait a second. What what did Jay Bhattacharya just say? What evidence did they come up with? Oh, we think that's totally false. Look, here's what they mm-hmm. said. Now, here is what Doctor Doctor Burks and Doctor Fauci say that refute that. Here's what yes. uh, the CDC mm-hmm. director says that refutes that. Here's what the National Institute of Health leader uh, 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 says. Doctor, uh, what's his name, Francis or or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that refutes that. Let the American people listen to. All of the viewpoints and decide for themselves what they want to do with their health, whether they want to mask, whether they want to stay home and not go to church, whether they want to uh, uh, take that shot, uh, regardless of what the known or unknown long term effects might be. Let the people listen. And what they do, Patrick, it's the worst Mm -hmm. kind of propaganda. It's propaganda that's unchallenged. Yes. They let the propaganda narrative go forth without anybody being able to say, well, let me see if there's any more uh, information or evidence here that isn't being presented. They crush that so that they can make it look like it's consensus. Mm-hmm. And the one thing mm-hmm. science can never be is, is consensus. You want to know why? Because mm-hmm. science is comprised of facts, not votes. Yes. You don't get to vote and say, well, enough no. scientists have voted. We have a consensus. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. facts right. decide science
1: Yes and yes, uh, they and, didn't they, yeah.
0: they didn't they didn't want that they wanted to make sure that their big yes. pharmaceutical partners were able to push their uh, their drugs on everybody, yes. and that the scientific quote unquote scientific yeah. narrative that they had was going to be unchallenged
1: that's exactly right And in a scientific environment, if you have say fifteen scientists in the same discipline sitting around a board table in a boardroom and they're talking about some topic or some issues, some breakthrough somebody came through whatever. If 14 or 13 of those doctors raise, uh, raise their hand, professors, whatever, raise their hand and say, uh, I agree with this. I think this is correct. I think we come to the right conclusion, et cetera, et cetera. But two people say, I'm not so sure. I, I think maybe we, we should investigate this more, or they have some some positions or some formulas or math or whatever that says, you know, this doesn't add up quite right. We Maybe we don't have it quite right. At the very least, the other 13 or 14 that said yes, don't go over and beat the snot out of the person or two people that said they disagree. What they're going to say is, Hey, bring your, you know, bring your case to the table, you know, go back to your lab, do some more experimenting, whatever, and then come back and give us your report so we can fit this whole thing together and figure out what's really going on. That's the way real science works. That's not what's been working for the last three years. It's like, no, if there's a dissenter out there, he's immediately called a denier of some kind and then, These beat up psychologically, perhaps even mentally, uh, not physically necessarily, but, well, some people have actually lost their career. I'm thinking of Dr. Merrill Nass, for instance, who the state of Maine is trying to take away her medical license because she did the responsible thing for her patients during COVID. Um, But, you know, aside from that, we haven't had any of that kind of behavior with these people who call themselves a representative of science. have not had it. Now we're going to have it, I hope.
0: And and you know what, Patrick? A few short weeks ago, we talked about this on one of our episodes, where California is basically telling every doctor, "You will lose your license if you try to uh, uh, yes. prescribe or diagnose or anything else in, in that is in uh, that is contrary to what the state's narrative is." So, in other yeah. words, in other words, it, this is why we do this. People need to, this isn't just for the you know, way we got a victory, we won. It's not about being able to say we won something. We're talking about people's safety. We're talking about people's health and welfare. We're talking about people's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A person who gets sick in California, if this bill that they put forth passes, and Governor Gavin Newsom has said he will sign it. If this bill passes, a person who gets sick can go to one doctor and be told this is what it is and this is what you must take. And cannot get a second opinion, because if they go to a second opinion, go to another doctor who might see things totally differently, and Mm -hmm. that doctor gives a second opinion that runs counter to the first one, which was in line with the state, that second doctor will get fired, will literally lose their medical license. And that patient now is at the mercy of whatever the the prevailing Mm -hmm. narrative is. And Pat, So, Patrick, what we're talking about here isn't just eh, we're starting you know, political wars to have political wars and, you know, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. We're talking about trying to protect people's right to live, their right to life. And what is being done now in violation of their First Amendment rights literally can put their lives in danger. And I don't know if they even, people have even That's considered right. along those lines.
1: That's right. And, you know, probably you just sparked something in my mind here. Life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness we all talk about that. We all like that. We want that for ourselves. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is my decision to decide what my pursuit is. You might have a different pursuit. But that is predicated so heavily on our ability to speak and communicate. Totally. We would, not, we would not be able to even talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to each other or to other people as we move through life. If we did not have freedom of speech, freedom of the press, et cetera, all the things that rights contained in the First Amendment, there would be no life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. There would simply be more of the drudgery that we had in the last two or three years where we get locked down, shut up, stuffed into a mold, uh, you know, whatever treatments stuffed at us, whether we wanted them or not. That's what life would be like without free speech. We don't want that kind of life in America, period, nope. and subject just don't want it.
0: Well, and that's why these battle lines are being drawn now. First, yes. first of all, legislatively, as I just discussed, yes. they were really calling these Twitter executives to account, as they should. Uh, and yes. the other place is in the courtroom. And that brings us to story yes. number two. This is from this week, February 9th, in the New York Times. Now, take that for what it's worth, but it is the subject that I'm interested in, not the New York Times editorializing here. <laughs> but um, the headline is, is very, very telling. Free speech versus disinformation comes to a head. The outcome of a federal court case in federal court could help decide whether the First Amendment is a barrier, how they word it to virtually any government efforts to stifle disinformation. So like mm. I said, I'm going to try to put aside the editorializing and the slant taken by the New York Times. You know where they're going to come. The big government should get to decide all. The big government uh, will tell you what you can and cannot hear about uh, about information that they believe to be incorrect and thus label disinformation. Right. So. At, at issue is a case you and I have talked about, Patrick, mm-hmm. a number of times already, and that is the lawsuit filed by the attorneys general of Minnesota, or excuse me, Missouri and yeah. Louisiana uh, over um, uh, the right of uh, do- doctors like the ones that we just talked about to be heard and for medical professionals to be heard and not censored and silenced by uh, big tech that are work- that seem to be working in collusion and collaboration with the, go- with a, uh, with the mm-hmm. political party. So the attorneys general have sued the White House and dozens of officials like Dr. Fauci, the top infectious disease expert. Again, I'll use air quotes for that. Yep. Accusing them of forcing the platforms to stifle the voices of its political critics in violation of the constitutional guarantee of free speech. So this is all coming to a head. And the way that they want to paint this, the opponents of free speech are are enemies in the middle of that ring is that disinformation is dangerous and that rather than what I just described in California could kill people. They're saying that disinformation can kill people. And therefore it's a responsibility of the big tech platforms to crush it, to kill disinformation, to make sure people make healthy decisions based on the what prevailing narrative and the consensus of the, the, uh, Mm the, the, the federal scientists, if you will, the ones who work for the government. Right. So, Patrick, the, the New York Times got one thing right. It is yeah. coming to a head. But the yes. way they frame it, they're really, really rooting here for the courts to side with the government's right to decide what's accurate and what's not accurate. And as we have seen through the other case we just talked about, uh, they're not accurate. They're not accurate right. always and, uh, and, and maybe not ever, quite frankly. It, it's just a matter. It's a matter of what their agenda is.
1: Exactly, exactly. And uh, given the time we have left and stuff, I want to just tell people, uh, first off, that uh, Citizens for Free Speech is having some special live training. It's going to start next Wednesday on the, uh, it's on the 15th of the month. It's going to be uh, in webinar format, over the, in other words, over the Internet. It's not going to be live in person everybody's invited to come to this training. You have to go to citizensforfreespeech.org to sign up an RSVP for it, and you'll get all the information back by return mail. There is a textbook. There is a workbook that you can get, so you have time to get it. And it's going to be a 10-week series. It's basically going to present The Citizen Ninja Way by Mary Baker, and then team building after that. It'll be two, two sessions of how to build a team to work in a local community. This is, this is groundbreaking training that people can take we're hoping to have well over well we'd like to see a couple hundred people take this live with mary on on, on our webinar format so you can go to citizens for free sign up for that get trained get in the know learn how to interact correctly in a, in a civic environment And for that matter, even with family members who have told you to take a hike because you believe something different than them, maybe you can batch things up and back together again. But uh, we encourage everybody to to get on board with that. Along that line, there's a problem. There's another problem that's coming at us. This is going to be a big topic in the next, uh, well, for all year, I know. This is going to be a recurring topic. Most people now have heard some type of uh, information about the so-called chat GPT program that was released last november by a company called open ai that stands for artificial intelligence but open ai is a company that is uh, the ceo and co-founder is sam altman the very well-known technocrat slash transhumanist it's a big company now they're leading pack on artificial intelligence they've got uh, tons of programmers microsoft just um, pledged i think some 10 billion dollar injection into the company It's going to hire a lot of programmers i'll tell you but this program is chat GPT, is a conversational um like talking to a person except that it has all the knowledge of the internet behind it that it can that it can sift through what what's called deep learning you can interact with this to do virtually anything you can imagine You if you want a term paper just tell it what you want it'll write a term paper for you. you want an academic abstract for your scientific paper just tell it what you want. It'll write it up for you and hand it to you. Uh, you want to you know, have chat messages to put up on Instagram or wherever. It'll do that for you. Just tell it what you want, and it'll give you back all kinds of information. Well, there are over there, are hundreds of thousands, actually hundreds of millions of people have already signed up to use ChatGPT, and Microsoft just announced that they're going to embed ChatGPT into all of their, uh, their office apps, like Microsoft Word, Excel, and so on, plus their search engine, Bing. So Google now, because they don't own OpenAI, Google has just had a conniption fit. They're, they're releasing their version of a ChatGPT GPT now, and that'll be online soon. Now, China has jumped into it. Uh, Alibaba and Baidu are both head over heels in love with this. They've joined this arms race, so to speak, to see who could get out there first with this human-like artificial intelligence that has all this knowledge and that you, John Q. Citizen, can interact with. Now, the reason I bring this up, there's going to be, I am absolutely certain of it, there's going to be a new type of automated bot, if you will, that's an automated program that can work social media, that will seem and appear like a human, and be able to conduct interactive messaging with you to where you think you are talking to a human on the other side, like direct messenger on Twitter, for instance, Uh, you know, Facebook messenger, stuff like that. Chat GPT is going to change the face of social media, of uh, offices, you know, working people using office apps and stuff, writers, uh, white collar workers, it's going to be revolutionary and transformative this year. But the problem with free speech is this. It already is being used to drown out the narrative that we are talking about and to confuse and muddy the waters so much that nobody will know which, in, which way is up. Some of the chat GPT uh, questions that have been asked have now proven that chat GPT is absolutely woke itself. It's woke. Somebody asked it to write a poem about President Joe Biden. It complied, a dumb poem, but nevertheless, it wrote a poem and it rhymed. And it was, you know, a couple of stanzas long. And then they asked it to write a poem about uh, the former President Donald Trump. It said, nope, irrelevant, can't write a poem about Donald Trump. So that led to more questioning, you see, and say, well, can you do this? And then you did that, can you do this over here? No, we can't do that. I'm not programmed to do that. So this artificial intelligence program is not really playing with a full deck. It's skewed. It's biased tremendously towards things that we've already proven to be disinformation and misinformation coming from these, you know, same the uh, same medical establishment we've been dealing with. So This swarm of bots is going to enter the social media world and confuse people to no end. I'm not sure how we're going to deal with this yet, but we need to get our legislators involved in this. This is probably going to be the most existential thing that we have for the for the sake of free and unfair speech with human beings. I don't want to argue with an AI program. I don't I don't want to hear it. I don't care what 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 the discussion is. I will not debate. An artificial intelligence program, and I don't think anybody else should either. In fact, I would say anybody that's suckered into debating anything or arguing with an artificial intelligence program, not knowing that it's an, an AI program, thinking it's a human, has just been violated, totally violated. Their mind has been sapped. Their their free speech has just been sucked right out of their skull, and it's coming legislators are still as far as I can tell completely in the clouds on this issue. So our dear listeners that are listening to this, you have a little bit of a best warning on this, start paying attention to this artificial intelligence system called ChatGPT and all of the knockoff lookalikes, like what Google is doing and, and Alibaba and Baidu and Apple's going to jump in pretty soon. Certainly uh, this is going to change the landscape. We need to be ready for it and, and try and figure out what our strategy is going to be to communicate with people. It may be that people need to get a hold of a bunch of copies of our free speech statements newspaper, which is a 16 page tabloid that has everything about free speech you need to know and is something that you can hand to somebody person to person. Mono a mano, mono, as it used to say, and hand it to them. You can't censor something that you hand to somebody. Well, they can throw it in the trash, but otherwise, there's no censorship. Uh, there may be ways around it like that. We may be going back to more of the printed word than we have been in the past, say, 10, 15, 20 years. If that's what it's called for, Bob, that's part of free speech, freedom of the press. We're going to go there. And I would encourage our listeners and stuff to be thinking about that. This is, this is food for thought. This is a future thing that's going to happen. It's just starting now, but I just gave you a heads
0: up. Well, I'm glad you did. You know, um, when the uh, computer revolution kind of started and computers started started to go mainstream in the early 1980s, the mid 1980s, I guess, really more so, um, one of the most important terms I remember listening to and learning was Geigo. And GIGO stands for garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> a computer can only produce that which is inputted into it. Yes. A computer that is fed a bunch of garbage is going to return a bunch of garbage. It's going to spit that out. So a computer that is taught wokeness through woke algorithms and woke trigger words and woke, woke uh, you know, red alerts and so on and so forth uh, and how to respond to things like that, that's exactly what they're going to spit back. The difference is, and what I think is coming in the future, and you know more than anybody about, you know, what, what transhumanism is and what technocracy mm-hmm. is all about, is that the new computers aren't just going to spit back, you know, spit out what they had programmed into it like go They're learning. They're mm-hmm. learning computers. They're evolving. They're starting to process things rather than just what they were programmed to process, yes. but to learn new things and that's when we're going to get into some very serious trouble and yes. that's something that i agree with you patrick we need to get our legislators and our and our judges and everybody else on top of this before it gets too late once it gets started it's going to be too late to stop it and we yes. will literally be having debates with with automated programs, these bots, as you call them, that have been taught how to think and how to respond to you. And now, you know, you're exactly right. Um, our, our ability to communicate will be extremely limited. Um, we won't know who we're talking to. And as you mm-hmm. said, we're going to end up, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, if they outlaw the gasoline combustion engines, and then they outlaw the electric vehicles because they use coal and natural gas, we're going to mm-hmm. end up on horses. Our new evolution is going to be a reverting back to handing yes. out papers, yes. Uh, yes. making calls, as opposed to getting online and traveling in the way we want. I mean, they're yes. literally going to send us backwards if we truly want to yes. uh, maintain our freedoms. Because this, exactly this, right. this new technology yeah. is not aimed at enhancing our freedoms. It's aimed at limiting them. That's that right. And, and I have
1: to say, we're smarter than that. We're more clever than that. Uh, we are human beings with brain. And we are Americans still with the freedom of exercise of that brain to come up with creative alternatives and creative solutions when we're faced with problems. That's it. This is a problem. We better be wake up, America, rise up, take care of the problem. We've
0: done it before. We can do it again. That's going to be it for this episode of stand and deliver Uh, more to come on that in the coming weeks. I can promise you that, but uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 53. Do us a favor, do yourself a favor, do our community a favor, share this episode with anybody that you know, that might be like-minded, share the link wherever they get their podcast, wherever you get your podcast, tell them to check in with stand and deliver. Thanks everybody for being a part of it. I'm Bob France. See you next time. And he's Patrick Wood. We'll see you next time.